This is the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast. The podcast that uncovers stories, equips leaders, and changes the world. And we are your hosts, Caitlin Deal and James Lee. Hello, Uncovered Dish Podcast listeners. James here. Things are pretty crazy here at the Mission and Resource Center as we prepare for annual conference at the end of this month. So this week, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break from the usual format of our podcast. Now, don't you not just yet, because we still have what I feel is great content for you today. Uh, For the last few weeks, we held two transition workshops for churches that are in transition. Uh, That is churches that are welcoming a new pastor this July. Bishop John Scholl came in via a video sermon that answered many of the critical questions churches and pastors might have had that were in transition, such as, why do Methodists have an itinerant system? Uh, What are some of the first steps a new pastor should take in his or her new ministry placement? And how do we transition well as a church? All this is discussed in this podcast. By the way, you could also watch the full video uh, at youtube.com slash GNJUMC. So be sure to go to YouTube and subscribe as well, because after the annual conference, starting from June, there's going to be a lot of cool videos going up on our YouTube page as well. Uh, Even if you're not transitioning this July, I believe the content here will equip you in your ministry and be a strong reminder of our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Now, without further ado, here's the message on how to transition into a new ministry with Bishop John Scholl. Hi, I'm John Scholl, a bishop in the United Methodist Church serving the Greater New Jersey Conference. And I'm really sorry I couldn't be with you today. This is such an important gathering and meeting, uh, but I've uh, had other responsibilities that have me out of town. And so I just apologize. I also want to say thank you. Thank you for not only being here today, but thank you for being United Methodist and part of the itinerant system. Itineracy has its ups and downs, and uh, no system is perfect. But this system that we've been using ever since the inception of Methodism has been a system that has helped us to get clergy into the right places at the right times for the ministry needed in in that community. And so you're a part of that system, and I just wanted to say thank you. You know, here in GNJ, we continue to look for how God is active and alive in our communities. And we're finding more and more God is active and alive in our communities through disciples of Jesus Christ who are passionate, who are stirring up faith, hope, and justice in the community. These disciples are more and more coming out of congregations that are vital, that are growing, and that are challenging their people to grow deeper in their faith. And it's out of these churches that we're seeing lives transformed, we're seeing communities changing and being engaged with, and we're even seeing world transformation. And so today I want to continue to call you into the mission of the Greater New Jersey Conference, into this adventure that we're on to make disciples of Jesus Christ, to grow vital congregations, and to transform lives in the world. God is making a huge difference through us. Did you know that Greater New Jersey is number four in our denomination here in the United States in vital congregations? That's a great achievement. And it's been because of the hard work of laity like you and our pastors and everybody working together to fulfill God's calling. 
So thank you for all you're doing, and I invite you to continue to be part of this adventure. Now today I want to talk with you about something that's really very important, and that's expectations. Getting a clear understanding of what expectations are and, and how do we work with those expectations. Now just think for a moment. When you think of the word expectation, what comes to your mind? Think about that. Well, maybe for some of you, you say, ugh, burden, challenge, uh, responsibility. For others of you, you might scratch your head and say, you know, I'm not even sure what the expectations are. And for others of you, it's really a sense of uh, somebody's got an idea, other people have ideas about what should be and how do we work toward that and get clarity so that we have common expectations. You know, I find in churches, one of the greatest struggles is different sets of expectations. That some people think things should be done this way, other people think things should be done this way, and you get a clash of these expectations. And churches often have a hard time of clarifying expectations and coming into alignment about what expectations are. Let me illustrate for you. There was a new pastor. He went into the church, and uh, he had been serving in the church a, a little while, and by golly, the grass was uh, getting a little tall. And so he went to the trustees meeting, and he said, uh, you know, uh, the grass is getting a little tall. Uh, somebody needs to cut that. And the trustees said, well, you know, the last pastor used to cut the grass. And the new pastor said, oh, I've already checked with him, and he doesn't want to cut the grass anymore. Now, that's, a, that's a, a, an illustration of different sets of expectations. One expects that the church will take responsibility for having the grass cut. The other expects that the new pastor will cut the grass because that's what the previous pastor did. And so that's what we want to talk with a little bit about today. How do we understand what the expectations are and how do we get them clarified? And as church leaders and as pastors, it's your job and your role to make sure that you're on a common page and a common understanding of what those expectations are and how those expectations are going to be met. So let's think a little bit, particularly pastors, how are you going to discern what the expectations are for you? And so I'm going to talk about some things, and you should write some of these down because you should, uh, you're going to, we're going to ask you if you're employing these ideas and if you've done these things three months, six months, 12 months, and even 18 months into the appointment. So the first thing you want to do when you go in as a pastor is that you want to begin to meet with some key leaders individually. You want to meet with the church council chair. You want to meet with the finance chair, the chair of the staff parish relations committee, um, maybe uh, the youth leader, um, somebody who heads up uh, other important ministries within the life of the congregation. You might even want to meet with the president of the youth group if there's a youth group there. But you meet with different leaders, and you just want to get to know them better. 
Now, I know as a pastor uh, myself, and even as a bishop, when you go into a new area, you want to talk all about yourself. But this isn't the time for you to talk about yourself. This is really a time for you to begin to learn about the congregation and to learn about the leaders you're going to be meeting with. So you just want to go in with a couple of questions into these one-on-one -on -one meetings. You want to meet with people one-on-one -on -one so that you get to know them better and you're beginning to build the relationship with your key leadership in the church. And so you want to ask a couple of questions like this. Um, tell me about yourself. What is it that you want me to know about you? Tell me, what do you like most about this church? How long have you been serving in this position? And what do you like about this particular ministry that you're leading? What are some of the challenges that you're seeing within the life of the church? And what is it that I could do in my first three months that would help to make a difference in the life of the church? And what is it that you'd like to see me accomplish in my first year? You see, these questions are helping to get you, you to know the leader better, but already those questions that you just asked are helping you to understand what the expectations are. Another great question to ask is, um, are there any surprises that I need to be aware of? Are there any issues that I need to work on right away? I remember going into a church and uh, <clears throat> I went to the first finance uh, meeting and uh, they asked me when I was going to be terminating this particular staff person. I said, terminating a staff person? Uh, nobody uh, told me about terminating a staff person. And besides, the person you want me to terminate, she's a long-term member of this congregation, and everybody loves her. And if I terminate her, they'll be angry with me. They said, oh, uh, didn't the pastor tell you that uh, there was an agreement that in July that the person would be terminated? I said, no, the pastor didn't tell me that. Why would the pastor tell me that? Obviously, he didn't want to do it himself. That's why he put it off to July and the new pastor would be here. So make sure you know what some of the challenges are and what some of the previous agreements are and if you can actually do that. I told them I wasn't going to terminate the new pastor, but what I was going to do was talk about the financial challenge that they had. They had a $20,000 operating deficit. And so I wrote to the congregation and I said, you know, you want me to begin as your pastor and to do well. And one of the things we have is a $20,000 operating deficit that we have to close by the end of this year. And so we're going to be asking people to make a special contribution to help us close that gap. Do you know within 30 days that gap was closed and we had the $20,000 and I didn't have to terminate that very special staff person who was beloved by the congregation. But knowing what the expectations are, what the challenges are, are so critical. Now, after you've done uh, asking those questions and learning more about the individual and who they are, about their family, what they like about the church, things like that, after you learn about those expectations, you might share one or two things about yourself. Uh, particularly, you might uh, share something about yourself, about how you like, like to work with church leaders and the way that you establish relationships and some of the things you hope for as the ministry gets moving forward under your leadership. 
Now, another thing that we want all of our pastors to do is to meet with people in small groups. As a matter of fact, we would like you to meet with the whole congregation, as many people as you can meet. And not just the members of the church, but uh, those who have been visiting quite frequently. We know today that there are people who have been worshiping in our churches for a year, two years, three years or more, and have never joined the church. And so you also want to include those persons. And when you meet in small groups, you want to meet with a group of people about eight, no more than 15. And one of the things I always uh, liked to do was to meet in somebody's home. It's one thing for everybody to come to the church, but it's even a, a, a better atmosphere. People are, are freed up to talk when you meet in somebody's home. And so what you want to do is you want to find uh, somebody in the congregation who's going to set up house meetings. They're going to identify people who are willing to host uh, house meetings. And then they want to create sign-up lists and maybe uh, in church on Sunday or emails go out and people sign up for one of the homes that they're willing to go to to meet the new pastor. And certainly within the first four months, you want to meet as many people as you can from the congregation in these small groups. I always found these meetings very valuable. I got to learn a lot about the congregation. I got to learn a lot about the people in the congregation. And I got to learn a lot about expectations. But here's one of the added bonuses that I never even thought would happen. But as it started to happen, I just uh, did more and more of it in my ministry. And that was by inviting everybody, even those who hadn't been coming to, a ch to church in a long time, to come to these house meetings. And what happened was those people can reattach to other people in the room and also with the new pastor. And guess what? They started coming to worship. And so every time that I would go into a church and do these house meetings, it was not unusual to pick up two, three, four, five, even ten people and reactivating them in the life of the church. So it has all kinds of bonuses. But you wanna meet with people in small groups. As I said, go out to homes, you wanna get them spread throughout the community, throughout the area. You wanna do some during the day because some people um, have, can get there during the day. You wanna do some at night and maybe even some a few on a Saturday morning because we know people's schedules vary. And so you just don't wanna do them in one time slot but give people People, different opportunities. And when you get to the meeting, um, you want to start the meeting uh, by going around and having each person introduce themselves. You know, you can uh, say to them, uh, share with me your name, how long you've been associated with the church. Now notice, I use the word associated, not member, because you're going to have some non-members there, people who are just worshiping. So just use that term. How long have you been associated with the church? And what's one thing you really like about the church? That's a great way to get people uh, engaged and involved. And you just want to go around the circle and invite every person to do that. And then once everybody goes around and does that, and you can, uh, I've often uh, had somebody there, um, maybe another staff person uh, or sometimes a, a key uh, person in the church who would go with me to these house meetings and they would take notes. 
Sometimes if it was a large congregation I was serving and I was doing uh, 15, 20 or more house meetings, I'd have different people. And they would sit there and they would just jot down notes that would be very helpful for me later on. And by me not having to take the notes, I could focus on the conversation and I could focus on the person I was talking to. And so we'd begin by everybody going around and sharing their name, how long they've been associated with the church, and then what's one thing they liked about the church. And then I would ask people uh, to tell me uh, what's an important ministry of this congregation. Now, I wouldn't go around the circle. I would just let people speak. And so, you know, it could popcorn up because uh, um, some people might say the same thing. And so you just want to invite people to share um, what's an important ministry of the congregation. And now you're beginning to hear what's important. That becomes an expectation. If this ministry is important, you want to know why. What does this ministry do? And you want to be thinking about, ah, what's the expectation they have of me about this particular ministry. And so you want to get out some of the important ministries. And then you want to ask the question, what's one challenge that this congregation is facing? And so again, you're hearing what are the challenges? And um, you might add to that, what's one challenge that this congregation is facing and what do you hope will happen? Now that word, what do you hope will happen? That's getting expectations out on the table and clarifying those expectations. And so people share uh, what their hope is or what their challenge is and what they hope will happen. And then you ask a question like, so if this congregation could do one thing that it's not doing already that would reach more people in the community, what would it be? Now listen, that question is very important. The way I structured that question is very important. Because if you just ask, what's one thing you'd like to see happening in this church in the future? You're going to get a laundry list of things that people want done for them. But just by adding that phrase, to reach new people in the community, you are already sending an expectation that as a congregation, we're going to be reaching out into the community. We're going to be connecting with new people in the community. And so asking that question uh, frames the question in a way that gets people moving and thinking in a different direction. And again, you want people just to pop up those ideas and hear their ideas about that. And then you might want to ask them a question like, tell me about the community and the people who live in this community, and what are the spiritual needs of people in this community? And so by doing this, you're going to get a better understanding of who's in the community and how you can begin to work with them. So these are a few questions. You can come up with others, but remember what you are trying to listen for are what are the things the people in this congregation expect. And once you've done your one-on-ones, and I often did um, anywhere from uh, 10 to 15 to 20 one-on-one -on -one meetings with key leaders. Again, it depends on the size of the church. And don't forget these leaders. Leaders who don't have a position but carry a lot of authority or people listen to them. 
In one church that I served, Amos and Lois Bassett were those people. They didn't hold any job in the church, but they had been long, long time members. I think they were over 50 year members in the life of the congregation. Amos and Lois were very wise people. They were also very gentle people, but they also had the ability to influence. And so it was not unusual if there was a meeting coming up that people would say, Amos, what do you think we ought to do about this financial concern? Or Lois, we're talking about this new ministry, what do you think? And so they had that kind of influence. And every church has people who have uh, authority because of their wisdom and years of experience, even though they don't hold an official title in the life of the church. Now, the way you find these people, Every time you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you ask this question at the end. Who else should I be talking to? And people will tell you, oh, you ought to talk to so-and-so or this person, and here's why you ought to talk to them. And that's where you're gonna find these influential leaders that don't hold a position, but influence what happens in the life of the church. And just think, when you meet with those persons, you will honor them, both the elected leaders and also the influencers. They will feel deeply honored that you wanted to get to know them better. And what they're thinking is very important to you. And this is why it's important not to debate what somebody thinks ought to happen, but just receive it. That when somebody shares an expectation of you that um, you don't think is an appropriate expectation, you don't want to debate with them or tell them why that's a wrong expectation or tell them why you're not going to do that. You want to receive that and process that with your staff parish relations committee. And so that's what happens next. Once you have these group meetings, the small group meetings, once you've completed your one-on-ones, and this would be something that you should get to work on right away. You should start to schedule them in July and August and September and October, because when October comes, you wanna have all of this completed. And then you wanna meet with the Staff Parish Relations Committee. And you wanna share with them what you've learned about the church. What are its dreams and hopes? What are, what's going well? And what are its challenges? And then you also want to say, here's what I heard as expectations of my leadership in this congregation. And you want to share with the Staff Parish Relations Committee the key expectations that you heard. And then you want to stop and just ask this question. Did I get this right? Is this who this congregation is? Is this what is happening in this community? Are these the hopes, challenges, and expectations of the congregation? And then you want to listen for the Staff Parish Relations Committee to say, yes, that is. Yes, that's on target. Or for them to say, well, that's mostly right, but here are uh, some other things we want to add to that. Or here's some deeper understanding about that. Or they might say to you, no, you got it all wrong. You're going to have to go out and do those one-on-ones and group, group sharing again. Hopefully that doesn't happen because you're good listeners and people are good sharers and you'll get the heart of what's going on. And once you get clarity, 
that these are the expectations, that these are the hopes, that these are the challenges, then you begin to talk about what's reasonable to start with and what's a timeline. I remember going into one church that had a lot of challenges and they were going through a lot of different things and they had great hopes for the future. And I process it just like I explained to you. And then uh, after they said to me, boy, you got it just right, I said to them, we're gonna have to hire five more staff to work on all this and get it done. There's so many expectations and so many challenges here. And of course, I was jesting with them, but in another part was being quite serious. And I said, I know we don't have the money to hire five more staff, but so we're gonna have to think about this together and prioritize what's important, what should I begin with first, and then what should we schedule later? And so you work with the committee on getting what's most important at this time to be working on. And this is where your uh, input is very valuable as well. So the congregation might say, or the staff parish might say, well, um, you have to visit all of these people and you have to do all of this and this and this. And everything they share is only focused on the people who are already there. And then you could say something like this as the pastor, you could say, well, uh, that's all very important. And I agree, those things need to happen. But if I start with all of those, then the people in the community won't get to connect with me. And the more I help this congregation connect with the community, the more we can make new disciples of Jesus Christ, or we can invite people into the congregation. And so what is a good balance? You know, what's good percentage of how much time I focus on what's the immediate needs of the congregation and how much time do I focus on helping the congregation get connected? And so that's a good conversation. Some might say, well, right now, because of the challenges we have, maybe 80% is best spent on these challenges and what's happening in the life of the congregation and 20%. Or maybe if there are not as many challenges, they might say, you know, spend 30 to 40% on the congregation, but we want to reach new people, so begin to help the congregation spend uh, 50 or 60% helping, uh, helping us to connect us with the community. Every church is going to be different. Every church is in a different place, but this is the fine-tuning of those expectations. And when you come away from that meeting, there should be agreement on what are the key expectations and what are the priorities of those expectations and what's not going to get done right now, but we're going to put that off until we meet these key things. And then the staff parish relations chair is to write a letter to the congregation or put something in the newsletter or maybe even on a Sunday morning to further reinforce, but you've got to do both because there won't, everybody doesn't come every Sunday. And so you, the staff parish relations chair is going to need to share with the congregation that our pastor has conducted one-on-one -on -one meetings with key leadership and also house meetings. And here's what he has learned. Here's what she has learned about our congregation. And here is what she is going to focus on in these first three months and first year. 
And we've met with our pastor and talked all this through. And let me tell you why we believe these are the important things for our pastor to focus on. Now, do you see what's happening here? As the pastor, you've negotiated the expectations. You've negotiated those with the Staff Parish Relations Committee, who has responsibility for the oversight of the pastor's work. And now the Staff Parish Relations Committee is taking responsibility to communicate with the congregation the work of the pastor and what the pastor will be working on. And to be the person who helps the congregation understand that and even advocate for what the pastor will be working on. So now you're forming a team. And that's what is so important in terms of clarifying expectations, is that you're actually working as a team and working together to clarify expectations, to get clarity about what's the ministry and work and leadership to be provided at this time, and sharing that with the congregation to further help shape their expectations of the pastor. Every one of us, laity, clergy, can do very well in our congregations if we get clarity about the expectations, negotiate what are reasonable expectations, and for the committee, the Staff Parish Relations Committee, to take responsibility for communicating to the congregation what the pastor is going to be working on. Think about it this way. If the pastor comes out and says, I've listened to everybody and here are the priorities and the things that I'm going to be working on, that's not a good way to get, off, uh, to get started in a new congregation. Because people in congregation are going to say, well, what about my needs? Or what about my favorite program? Or what about this? But when the staff parish relations committee begins to take that responsibility, then, then, the congregation begins to own what the pastor is working on. Listen, everything is not going to go smooth. There are going to be challenges along the way. But the things that I've been talking about, doing those, are going to help you to get off to a better start. As a matter of fact, I can tell you this. Every time we do these transition workshops, and every time pastors go in and do this kind of work, Invariably, we have pastors to come back to us and say, why didn't somebody teach me this 20 years ago? This, what we're asking, not asking, what we are telling you, every congregation in transition is to be doing, is going to help you to get off to a good start. Now, next, uh, there's going to be somebody who's going to talk with you about quarterly check-ins and why these quarterly check-ins are so important and how to do those quarterly check-ins. God bless you all as you continue to move together. There's no doubt in my mind that God has a great future for your church and for your ministry. And part of that great future is getting clarity about the expectations. So as you go forth and begin to engage in this transition, may God be with you and bless you. Thank you. 
thank you again for tuning in today's podcast. If there are any topics you'd like us to uncover or any comments for us, you can email them to podcast at gnjumc.org. We will be posting a new podcast every other Wednesday. So if you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe to be up to date on the latest episodes. We'll talk to you soon.